Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We're excited to talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. 2 Timothy chapter 4. What, what stands out? Well, I mean, set up, we know this is Paul talking to Timothy, um, his son in the, in the Lord. And so um, just even how he starts out, just, I mean, verse one, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Yeah. Verse two, preach the word. Are you want to stop there? You know, keep yeah. going. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So right there, there's a whole lot of instruction giving. Yeah. Uh, given. So Paul's telling Timothy, be faithful in the way he preaches the word of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's responsibility with that. He needs to be doing that. And then just that next section, you probably can even talk on that, but this next section, be prepared in season and out of season. Um, we need to be prepared to share the gospel. Yeah, yeah, we do. Right? Yeah. And no matter what comes our way. So natural conversation, we talk about that a lot. We did Organic Disciples this last fall. We talk about being prepared just in general conversation for it to turn to a spiritual conversation yeah. so that we can share the gospel. Yeah, for sure. I think what stands out to me so much from the first um, verse or two is the stage has been set for like the, what we're talking about. I mean, we're talking about in the presence of God, the one who's going to judge the living and the dead. That gives like a whole nother level of seriousness, gravity, and weight to like what we're doing. Right. I watched an interview recently, um, like John Mark Comer, um, John Tyson, The Art of Teaching. I think you actually have gone through some of that. I have. It's great. Um, but someone told one of those guys recently, like, remember who you're preaching to? And I think John Mark was like, well, yeah, no, duh. I'm preaching to the people in the seats. And he's like, oh, no, you're preaching to way more than that. Because people are coming in and there's the angelic realm. There's also the demonic realm. People are coming in. The Holy Spirit's moving and Jesus is going to be glorified and... There's also demonic and a bunch of junk being brought in as there's two kingdoms contending, even in worship, right? Where people right. come in and whether they're demonized or not. And so for me, as I preach on Sundays or, you know, we're giving talks at groups midweek, it's just a reminder of like, this is really serious stuff. It's really good and beautiful, but we're preaching a gospel that God has given us that will really determine people are going to spend their eternity in one of two places based upon who they say Jesus is. And so he kicks that off just in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. Now, in light of this, go forward. And you said, like, again, the preaching of the word. Right. So, like, just the, the seriousness of that, I, I'm I'm trying not to take that for granted when we have opportunities to teach about, like, this is what the Bible says, or whether it's on Sunday from stage or it's a midweek deal, it's like, this this is a lot, actually. It is. It's a it's a serious thing, an important thing. But yeah. and we need to know the word of God. Oh yeah. In order to speak about the word yeah. of God. Yeah. And, and like you already kind of mentioned in verse two, he talked about preaching the word and kind of breaks it down. Like, well, there's preparation, and then there's the seasons of it, and then here's also what this looks like within the correcting, the rebuking, the encouraging, and do so patiently. And so when it comes to preaching of the word, I'd encourage you listening to get to the name of Jesus. I think sometimes we can say, like, God bless you, and that's good. That's like a door opener. 
But there's a lot of people who believe in like a quote unquote God. A like, higher well, being. A higher being, yeah. a higher power. Like, well, who is God to you? Well, for the Christians, when you say like, hey, Jesus, that like solidifies our position in this conversation. Yeah. And so anytime you can speak the name of Jesus, I'm saying go for it. And then on the flip side, as you, as you do that, know your stuff. And it's not that we have to have every Bible verse memorized, but if you can have your testimony locked in, like, why, why do you believe this? And if you can have a couple scriptures and, you know, reasons why you think that this is real, that's going to really help when it comes to the preparation and, and you just being ready in season out of season. Right. And you said sharing your testimony, your story. Mm-hmm. We, we all have a story of how um, God reached to us and and we realized that we needed a Savior. Yes. And no matter what our story is, if it's an extreme story or a, um, a story of a heritage of faith, yep. it's our testimony and it's a, and it's a good story. Mm-hmm. We need to be ready to share that. Yeah. And then just, I guess, a good reminder for myself is that patience. Mm-hmm. Do so patiently with careful instruction because people are going at different speeds. Some people are kind of jumping on in this conversation at different points in life and different stages of life. So the gospel is not changing, but the maturity levels of people are different. And so that kind of helps you gauge, like if I'm talking to an eight-year-old kid or a 60-year-old or a 90-year-old who has different life experiences, right? that would change the way that I share my story. And Absolutely. Like how much I share and maybe how little I share or whatever. And just to be patient and trust the Holy Spirit's going to going to do his job. Yeah. Even even in that same verse, Clark, where it says, uh, correct, rebuke, and encourage mm-hmm. with great patience and careful. But correction and rebuke, um, we don't typically like to receive it. It's yes. not my favorite thing. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it is sometimes hard to do that um, in love mm-hmm. in a way that honors and respects the person. But the truth is we need to actually call out the truth of the word of God. Yes. And if we're not doing that, we're not doing favors to somebody. So if we're not oh, going to yeah. speak the truth, um, if we're going to just pat somebody on the back and say, it's okay, God yeah. doesn't care that you're doing this, that you, um, whatever, steal all the time or whatever, yeah. whatever it is, yeah, we yeah. all have, we all have the sin. But if we're patting someone on the back or on the head for that, we're not doing them any favors. Mm-hmm. And that that's a natural transition to the next verse mm-hmm. because it says there'll come a time when people will not want to put up a sound doctrine. And instead, they will want to go somewhere to suit their own desires. They'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. I heard one pastor recently say, um, someone would come up to him and say, Pastor, I'm not sure if I, if I trust the validity of the Bible. And this was someone who'd been in the church for a long time. And his response to this, it was a youthful person. What's her name? Or what's his name? And it's like, okay, you're dating somebody now. You're heavy influence. You're flirting in some stuff you shouldn't be in right now. I'm sure the, yeah, the hormones are going. And he's like, let's sit down and revisit it. Just because something feels good or you're excited about something doesn't give you liberty to do it. And it doesn't cancel or invalidate the legitimacy of the Bible. Right. Um, And so what happens is people, when you are tempted to something or you see something that like is more pleasing or even feels natural. There are, you'll be able to find what you want to find today. Because yeah. even more so than what Paul is writing to Timothy now, we have things called phones and things called podcasts and this thing called YouTube on the World Wide Web. You can look up and find anything. And so like, there's a guy named Tim Keller, John Piper. Uh, I would even throw out the name Francis Chan. There are people yeah. like that that have given their lives for the gospel and now people are saying, they're false teachers. 
they're, they're heretics. And I'm like, you could pull five seconds from anybody's talk and claim that they're a false teacher. But you actually spend time looking at it, going back to how does this line up with Scripture, and does this line up with what the church has held for thousands of years, you got, you got to claim to it. Because there's yeah. a lot of things that will feel natural to us that are ungodly. When someone makes me mad, sometimes I would like to call them a name. Right. Or put hands on them or whatever. And you're like, just because that feels natural to you, Clark, does not mean you should go find someone to say, hey, Clark, you know what? They deserve it. You should slap them or you should call them this name. That's not what we're supposed to do as Christians. Yeah. You go back to what does the scripture say? How does the death and resurrection of Jesus help us understand this, the grace of God and the work of the spirit? And how has this been taught for the last couple thousand years? Yep. It's not like it's just like, hey, these people last Friday said this, so now we're taking a right. The Bible has been taught very similarly for for a long time. And and I need to stick to that. Well, and we even look at the way the enemy deceives. He is a deceiver. Yeah. And so when he tempted Jesus, he took scripture and he just put a little twist to it. Even when he tempted Manipulated, Eve, yeah. takes a little scripture and puts a little twist to it. We can twist yeah. um very easily yeah. to make it say what we want it to say. And like you said, we it is our our nature to find someone who supports mm-hmm. what we want said. Um which will definitely lead us down a a bad trail. So Oh, for sure. I just had a, a interesting conversation like maybe a week or two ago at young adults. I had a young woman come up to me and said, Hey, my friend's coming tonight. She needs to talk to you. I was like, Great. Uh, I'll be here afterwards. We'll, we'll sit down and chat together. And so we all sat down to talk and she brought up that she was attending she she goes to a local university here. And she wanted to join a Christian club. And so she did, but she just noticed that after like six months of this, the, the scriptures, instead of being like pointing at 12 o'clock, they're like at 1158. They're like two degrees off. She's like, this sounds good, but it doesn't feel right. And then the farther she went down this, she said a rabbit hole, eventually the same turned out to be a cult, but oh she was goodness. in it and it required someone from the outside coming in saying, Hey, like, tell me what they're teaching. They're pulling Proverbs. They're pulling the writings of Solomon. They're doing Revelation. They're pulling like one-liners from Jesus. And they they weren't doing it like in a healthy community. And they weren't doing it like within the context of scripture, yeah. like all of the gospel. Because you and I could pull like Jesus saying, hey, if your hand caused you to sin, cut it off. Right. You just throw that one out there. You're going to have a bunch of handless people walking around. No kidding. But if you understand the context which was written, and that's what she, the spirit in her was moving, and she was realizing, I need different accountability checks in a different community, because these people on this specific college campus have an agenda, and mm-hmm. it almost became like a pyramid scheme, is what I, I pointed out as I listened to her talk. But I love that she sought that out. Yes. I was so proud of her. No kidding. And I think there's a learning in that, too, where she can actually learn how to trust her ability to discern mm-hmm. and trust that the Holy Spirit is actually prompting her. There's such a good learning when when somebody kind of sees that on their own yeah. and then seeks truth. So yeah. good for her. And, and then verse five, if we can keep going, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. It says, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of evangelists, discharge all your duties of your ministry. So keeping your head in all situations, Paul is telling us this because... There's going to be persecution. There's yep. going to be trials. There's going to be hardships. I, I told this girl, I guarantee you, you're going to experience attack. They're going to call you a heretic. They're going to say mean things to you. And they're not living out the real gospel. Sit down with them and go through all of the scriptures. They're not going to want to do it. Right. And uh, we got to keep our head and just remember like the motivation for why we do these things. 
It's because we love God and we're called to love other people. And sometimes the most loving thing we can do is to, actually the, always the most loving thing we can do is to be honest Yep. and speak truth. And point them to Christ. Point them to the Lord. Amen. That's right. Yeah. So keep your head, expect persecution. That's what Second um, Timothy 3.12 just says. And then kind of verses six through seven, he just lays it out and is like, I'm giving it everything I've got. Any thoughts there on on the rest of the the way of him just kind of pouring himself out and fighting the good fight, running the race, keeping the faith? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it kind of gets to kind of his personal notes in there. But yeah, he he legit um, gave it his all. Yeah. What a great example. Paul is an incredible example. You watch before he knew Jesus Christ as his Savior and he felt like he was pouring it all out for God. And then when he got truth... He turned and poured it all out for Jesus Christ, and um, he modeled how to live that out. And so, yeah, he he did finish the race yeah. and fought the good fight. He he did well, and he realizes he's he's nearing the end here, and he's yeah. ready, which honestly does open up a whole conversation we could talk about for a long time too. But um, I found um, in the in the probably recent years where I've been with people, um, kind of at the end of their life, hmm. and there's that question of did I, did I, did I do it enough? Did I, do I really have a place in heaven? And we know that there's promises. Paul here states it. He knows where he's going, right? Yes. He knows as he finishes his life, he's, he's about to meet Jesus and get his crown of righteousness. Yeah. And again, to the listeners out there, I want to bless you. When you think about this being the gospel of grace, my prayer is that when you and I reach the end of our rope, we will not ever have to ask ourselves, did I do enough? Because that's not what that's, it's about. Exactly. We completely miss if we ask that question. Yeah. I would just say to the living, you listening right now, just give today your best. And notice Paul oftentimes uses the word race or marathon or whatever. And life, you've probably noticed this, is not exactly like short. I mean, in the span of eternity, it's like a blink of an eye, but... The average lifespan is like 80 years or something. Right. That's a long time. It is a long and time. And so follow God in a sustainable way. Paul had holy habits that he had instilled in his life. Weekly worship, times of prayer, times of singing and rejoicing, times of reading the scriptures, times of community and repentance. Like these are the things that will get you through. And there'll be honeymoon seasons where you have all the feels and the emotions are there. And then there'll be seasons where there's zero emotion and it feels kind of dry. And our call, like Paul, is just to keep fighting the good fight and just do what you know you're to do and follow the Lord and uh, keep the faith. I I just recently went to a funeral where there was four generations of of people in the room. And as the 95-year-old woman had gone on to be with the Lord, you got to hear the countless ways which she loved and served people. And oftentimes it was like baking and making food for other funerals or weddings or whatever. And just to see the little great-grandkids running around, the grandkids attesting to this, um, the children speaking to this, and then knowing that this woman's with the Lord. And there's no doubt in their mind where she's at. She ran the race. Yep. She gave it her all. Yep. She did not have an easy life, but she gave each day to the Lord and gave it her best. And that's all you can ask. Right. And and she didn't have to be a minister. Correct. She lived out her faith in the way that God called her to live it out, and yeah. she served with all her heart. Yeah. What a beautiful thing. That's, oh. that's her testimony. It's it, her story. It really is. It really is. And the end goal of this, if I look at verse 8, it says, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. 
and not only to me, but also all who have longed for his appearing. Just want to remind you the end goal is the glory of God and is to reign and rule with him. As he says this, I just go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and the reason why God created. He didn't need us. He wanted us. He wants a relationship. He wants to be with you. He wants to bless you. He wants to reward you. And someday we'll experience all of that. But it comes first and foremost through God getting glory and us being in relationship with him. Um, And then the passage kind of transitions. He gives personal remarks. And I guess the last thing I'm just kind of looking at is verses 16 through 18. And it seems like Paul's standing alone. And it's not that we can be maverick Christians, but it's actually like lonely sometimes when you're following the Lord honestly and other people are, are ducking and getting out. And Paul's just saying, hey, I'm in it to the end. The Lord has stood by my side. He gave me strength so that through the message it might be fully proclaimed to the Gentiles, the religious people, the non-spiritual people would hear the gospel and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The reason why he says that is because at this time, Christians are starting to be persecuted. There is some really evil stuff happening in and through Rome. And that's where Paul eventually died. Um, He's saying, hey, you might be deserted. Lord's with you. Do this in community as best as you can. The kingdom of God come. And what a great reminder for us, no matter what we're facing and how alone we feel, God is with us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's just from verse 9 to verse 22, he lists a bunch of names that are hard to pronounce. Mm-hmm. And really, though, that just shows you that he did come from community. He needed community. Yep. It's there. So we hope Second Timothy 4 was a, a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. Bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.